Okay, so we are in Ephesians chapter number 5. We finished up through verse number 12 last week. <clears throat> so we will be starting uh, tonight in verse number 13. But a quick recap. Um, Paul was telling us that the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth in verse number 9. And in verse 10, he said that proving what is acceptable unto the Lord uh, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And back in verse number 8, he said, For we were sometimes darkness, but now we're light, and we should walk as children of light. And then we saw that in verse 12, uh, he said that it was uh, th to reprove those unfruitful works of darkness, uh, because it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Then we get into uh, verse number 13, and Paul continues uh, on that same line of thinking and that same thought. He says, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So we were talking last week about how that uh, Paul was saying that we should reprove those unfruitful works of darkness. And now in verse number 13, he's saying all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. So uh, <clears throat> when sin is reproved, and if you remember, we talked about that word reproved uh, back in verse number 11, is talking about being called out or exposed. And that word also means gently corrected. Uh, so... It's not something I have seen people that uh, will yell and scream at a, at a lost man who's an alcoholic and say, you're a drunk and you're going to hell. Well, being mean to people don't, does not draw them to the love of God. Uh, so when we reprove the sin, we, we have to stand up against sin, but we, uh, we, you know, we hate the sin but love the sinner. Uh, so that word not only means to expose and to call out, but it also means gently corrected. And then... Paul says that it's made manifest by the light. And that word manifest means that it becomes apparent. So when the light of the Lord Jesus Christ shines on a situation, then that is the thing that manifests or brings to light. It, it, it shows uh, the sin and exposes it uh, so that everybody can see. And uh, in 1 John 1, 5, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the Word of God says that we're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. So if our light shines, it'll glorify through our good works, it'll glorify our Father which is in heaven but it also will expose sin. It will call out sin. It will become apparent. Uh, and that's why that a lot of times as Christians, when we, do, when we live right and we do the right thing and we're walking in the Spirit and, and we're spiritual beings, then a lot of times that's why the world hates us because it exposes their lifestyle. It exposes their sin. It, it shines on them. 
It would be no different than if somebody was sneaking around your house trying to break in and you turned on the floodlight. All of a sudden, they're exposed. The, the, the thing that they're doing that's wrong is suddenly everybody can see them. Uh, so that's what our light does, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. So John chapter 3, uh, verse 19 through 21 Jesus said, this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that is evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And that's that same reproved word that Paul used uh, here in Ephesians chapter number 5. And then in verse 21, Jesus said, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God so they can be shown and they can be seen because that is what draws people uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. When, when we live a, light, a life that the light of the Lord Jesus Christ shines through us and people can see uh, Jesus in us through our actions and through the way that we carry ourselves and the things that we say and the things that we do, that's what draws people uh, to Christ. <clears throat> so... All things are reproved or made manifest, and for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So what does make manifest? What exposes sin? The light is what exposes sin. Then verse number 14, he said, Wherefore, uh, wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give ye light. So then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So this is where we were talking about back earlier in chapter 5, um, where he says, um, let no, in verse number 6, let, let no man deceive you of vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you're light. That's where, and even back into, further into the chapter and back into chapter number four, where he was telling us to cast off the unfruitful works of darkness and to come out. And then here he's telling us again to wake up because sometimes as Christians we get lulled to sleep and, and we, we uh, get complacent with the things of God and we take them for granted and we end up being able to drift off and our spirituality wanes, uh, the Holy Spirit of God within us uh, wanes, and we're able to slip off into that darkness. But Paul is telling us here to wake up, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. He's saying we've got to straighten up, church, and we've got to, we've got to start doing right, and we've got to start living right, and we've got to wake up to the things that's going on around us. And that's very, very easy for, for that to happen. And I'm not trying to be mean or critical. We've all been there to where we, we just get up one day and we're thinking that how long's it been since we felt the move of God? How long's it been since I felt the Spirit of God in me? How long's it been since I felt that nudge of the Holy Ghost of God through a song or through a message or something like that? When was the last time I felt that? And the sad thing is, why have we missed it? Well, you know, why haven't we missed that? Why haven't we been longing for that? But that's where we get lulled to sleep, and we, that can happen. Sometimes we get caught up in things of life and things that are going on, 
and we we kind uh, kind of get lulled into uh, a stupor. So what he's saying here is that it's time to wake up, and it's time to rise up, and it's time to walk right. So that's what he's saying. He said, wake up thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. And then in verse number 15, this is the part where he's talking about walking right. He said, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So he said, not only do we need a wake-up call, and we need to get back to doing the things of God that we know that we should be doing, living our life dedicated to the Lord like we should. He said, not only do we need to wake up, he said, but once we wake up, we need to walk right, walk circumspectly. So Romans chapter 13, uh, verse 11 and 12 said, Now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. What in the world is he talking about there? Listen, I, I got saved as a, as a young child. Well, that's been uh, over 45 years ago now. What Paul is saying in Romans is that my salvation is closer now than it was back when I got saved as a boy. And you say, but wait a minute, you got saved then, your salvation. He's talking about my entrance into heaven is closer now. The, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is closer now. Being able to obtain the salvation and, and being able to be with God, we're closer to that now than we were when we first believed. And he said in verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And we should be light. We should be different. The Word of God says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Unfortunately, a lot of churches and a lot of Christians, there is nothing that the world sees any different between themselves and that person that claims to be a child of God. Not in how they live, not in how they walk, not in how they talk, where they go, what they do. And we should be a shining light into this world. Now, th this word uh, circumspectly, what it means is uh, with careful and persistent effort. So he says, after we wake up out of our sleep and after we rise up from the dead, that we should walk carefully and persistently. And I, I read... Uh, this week, an example of that, which I really like, is said that there was this uh, block wall that was built around a garden. This guy built this block wall. And on the top of the block wall, when he put the mortar in there, he put pieces of glass to keep people from climbing over the wall. So there was pieces of glass. And yet there was a cat that was walking down that wall and as the cat walked, it would move its feet over here and over there, and it walked the entire length of that wall and never got cut. Why? Because it was walking circumspectly. <laughs> it was walking very carefully and very deliberately, and that's what we need to remember as Christians, that there's a lot of things in this world that the devil will try to trip us up. There's a lot of things that will hurt us. There's a lot of things that will destroy us, and we need to be vigilant. We need to be careful. We need, Paul said, walk circumspectly, walk carefully, and not only carefully, but with persistent effort. There's no time to slow down 
uh, our work for the Lord. There's no time to stop. There's no time to rest. There's, we don't take vacations from being a Christian. Uh, some people do. <laughs> some, some people think just because they're not in Kingsport and they're out at the beach somewhere, they do things that they wouldn't do when they were here. They, they take a vacation from being a child of God. We, that, that's not how this thing works. Okay? Uh, it didn't matter uh, where I went. I was always my father's son. And I was always accountable to my father, no matter, no matter whether he was with me or not. And I would get in more trouble, believe it or not, I would get in more trouble if I acted up and somebody told him about it than I would if he was there when I acted up because it reflected negatively on him. And he wanted me to be viewed in a good light and wanted me to be seen as a good person uh, by other people. So this is, this is what he's saying, that we need to be very careful in how we walk. Um, so <clears throat> talking about walking, now he's telling us that we should walk in wisdom. First, he told us that, um, what was the first one? Uh, yeah, we were supposed to walk in love, and after that we would walk as children of light. And now he's telling us that we should uh, not as fools, but as wise. So we should be walking in wisdom. We should be doing it with knowledge and with a focus. Um, several places where it talks about how we should walk as children of God. Romans 6, 4 says, walk in newness of life. Romans 8, 1, walk after the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, walk by faith. Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit. Colossians 1.10, walk worthy of the Lord. Colossians 4.5, walk in wisdom. Uh, and then 3 John 1.4, walk in truth. So there's a lot of uh, instances in the Word of God where it tells us and gives us advice on how we should walk, how we should live. And anytime in the Word of God we see that word walk, it means how that we live our life and how that we conduct ourselves, the places that we go and the things that we do. Here's the thing that we need to remember. And um, Paul is trying to give us the warning here. He says, walk circumspectly. Be very, very careful because there's a lot of things in this world that's out there to hurt us. This is what we need to remember. Sin is the deadliest disease known to man. Sin is what sends people to hell. Sin destroys lives. Sin destroys homes. It, sin destroys marriages. That's, that's what sin does. So we need to avoid sin more than we avoid anything else. Because if you're, if you're a Christian and you, you live in a Christian home and you have a Christian spouse and you have, and you have a Christian home and, and your children, uh, you know what can destroy your Christian home? Sin. That's what can destroy it. You know what can destroy the lives of our children? Sin. So we have to protect them from that. We have to guard them from that. We should be afraid of sin. We should run away from sin. We should do everything that we can to protect ourselves and our families from being exposed to sin or even coming into contact with sin. But you know the sad thing is, and, I, and I'm not being disrespectful and I'm not being mean, but unfortunately, right now today, as Christians, we're more scared of COVID than we are of sin. Would it be to God 
that we took sin as seriously in our lives as we do COVID. Look, I was doing the same thing everybody was. Every time I got a chance, every time I touched something, I was washing my hands. I was rubbing hand sanitizer all over me. I'm trying to stay away from people doing all these things. Why, why are we not that uh, dedicated to guarding ourselves from sin? Why, why, why are, why, you know, we've got, and listen, we're, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have been doing that. I was doing it too. And we're trying to protect our children. We're trying to protect our families, those kind of things. But folks, sin is so much more destructive than any, any other disease that is on this planet. Because what, what can COVID do to me? It can kill me, and what do I do? I go to heaven, right? What can sin do to me? It can completely destroy my... I'd still be alive, but it, will, it could completely destroy my life, my testimony, my, my ministry. It could completely destroy my home, my, my marriage. All of that can be completely destroyed by sin. Would to God we took sin as seriously as we do protecting ourselves from diseases. So it's, you know, I, I'm not making light of COVID at all. Not at all. And I'm not making light of how that we have responded to it. What I'm saying is we should be as serious and as dedicated and as, um, uh, and, and as focused on protecting ourselves and our families from sin as, as we do protecting from diseases. So then in verse number 16, he says to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Be wise how you walk. Be, pay attention to how you walk. Be diligent in how you walk. But then in verse 16, he said, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now that redeeming means to make good use of our time. So he's saying, make good use of your time. Do the right things. Don't waste time. Time is precious. Time is the most precious commodity that we have. You know, I mean, we, listen, water is a precious commodity, but water can be treated and reused. Water will evaporate and fall back from the sky again, Right? Time, once it's gone, we never get it back. If we waste five minutes, that's five minutes that's gone forever. So time is not a, any kind of a renewable resource. So the question is, what do we do with our time? How do we spend our time? Well, Paul says, redeeming the time. Make good use of that time. Why? Because the, the days uh, are evil. There's a lot of wickedness in this world. There's a lot of traps in this world. There's a lot of glass on top of that wall that we have to be careful of. So he says, redeem the time. Make good use of that time because it's precious. Listen, all of us have probably been there where we've met somebody or talked to somebody and the Holy Spirit of God nudges us and says, ask them if they've ever been saved. Ask them. Just just." Just tell them your testament. Tell them. Talk to them about me. And we resist that and we walk... That moment will never come again. That moment when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us and says, tell them right now, that's when the Holy Spirit had been softening that heart, working on that heart, and that was the perfect moment, the perfect time, and we let it slip away. And that can never be regained. Now, can the Holy Spirit of God speak to somebody else another time and get somebody else to speak to them? Yes, but that may have been that person's only opportunity and we wasted it. We completely wasted it. <clears throat> so there's an old saying 
And years ago, I heard this so much as a kid that when I was a teenager, I actually believed this was a verse in the Bible. Uh, and I said that, I think I was 14 or 15 years old, and I said that to an older gentleman uh, that was very uh, biblically sound. And I said, well, you know what the Bible says? An auto mind is the devil's playground. And he laughed. He goes, well, actually, that's not in there. <laughs> I said, yeah, it is too. I've heard it all my life. Well, you, I know you've heard it all your life. That's not in there. Now, the principle is in there, but those words are not in there. So I, don't, I, I say now it's an old saying the, that an idle mind is the devil's playground. Uh, so let me give you an example of that, a quote from John Phillips. We could avoid many traps if we were to buy up our spare time when temptations are the strongest. And if you think about that, that's when temptations to sin are the strongest. It's not when we're at work doing something and thinking about work. It's those times when our mind is idle. It's those times when we're daydreaming. It's those times when we're not doing anything, we're not focused on anything. That time when we're relaxing, when we're resting, that's when we're most vulnerable to temptation and to sin. He said, we must convert our spare time into another kind of time. Time when we study the Bible. Why? Time when we turn our thoughts toward the throne of God in prayer. Time when we pick up a good book, go for a walk, do some gardening, or visit someone in the hospital. Not let our time be wasted and spent. If there's, if there's time when we're bored and got nothing to do, there's people that can be prayed for. We can, we can read our Bible. We can See, now, we, we are in a situation now that it is so easy for us as Christians to be sped, fed spiritually. I've got, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a technical person, but even I know how to use the app that is um, the um, podcast. And I listen to, to preaching, people that I've never met and don't even know. I just search on there. I, I, I did a search for Baptist churches and picked a guy and, and started listening to him preach while I was driving down the road. I don't even know who this person is. Okay, And people say, well, how can you listen to that? Well, bad preaching is better than good music on the radio. I'll just be honest with you. I'd rather hear bad preaching than good music on the radio. You know, it's preaching. It's talking about the Word of God. So it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the greatest orator that ever lived. I just want to say, I want to fill my mind with the things of God. Then, um, there in verse number 16, uh, he said, because the days uh, are evil. Uh, say, we have to remember that Satan attacks our mind first. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed... By what? Your works? Be transformed by doing good deeds? No, no, no. If we really look at the Bible, we get told multiple times over and over again how the devil gets us and how he tempts us. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renew means to revive or to establish. We have to remember that Satan attacks our mind first. None of us have ever committed a sin accidentally. Every sin that we've committed started in our mind before our flesh did it. That's where it starts. So Satan wants to plant those things in our minds. The days are evil. 
that word evil means hurtful and wicked. This is what we got to understand and we have to remember. We live in an evil, wicked world. It's a wicked society. The wickedness of this world is getting harder and harder to avoid, especially in our spare time. So how does that wickedness get into us? We're, we're talking about that cat that's walking circumspectly on top of that wall with that glass. Here's the thing. Every day, impure thoughts are being planted in our minds. How? Through books, magazines, photographs, movies, TV shows, things that we aren't even trying to see we see. There's a bus could go down the road and have a big picture that's inappropriate, and we see it, not because we're trying to see it, because it's right there. The devil puts it right in our face. This world wants to flaunt sin right in our face, and that plants that uh, in our mind. And once those impure thoughts are planted, they can grow like weeds, like evil seeds in our mind, like weeds that take over and consume us, and they're difficult to get rid of. You know something? I can't get grass to grow in my yard. But out in my little barn area where my rocks are, I can't keep the weeds out of there. I have to spray them two or three times a year to kill them. But I can't get, I can't get the weeds to grow over here. I've got this little bank out beside my house that's, that's just dirt. And I can't get, I can't even get weeds to grow on it. I can't stop the weeds from going, growing over here where I don't want them. And that's what we have to understand, that if we allow sin, if we allow temptation, if we allow those seeds of, of wickedness to get planted in our mind, they will take over. And if I don't, if I don't keep those weeds sprayed down, they'll, they'll grow up and I won't even be able to see my yard barn. It'll be completely covered in, a, in a, just a matter of time and you won't be even able to see it. And that's what happens with us. That sin, if we don't, if we don't fight it, if we don't spray it, if we don't try to kill it, if we don't pull those weeds and get rid of them, it will consume us and overtake us. And before you know it, we're right back here where he has to tell us again, wake up, arise out of sleep. So then in verse 17, he says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So he tells us to walk circumspectly, and then he tells us to walk in wisdom. Paul is saying, don't be foolish. Understand what God's will is and do it. As Christians, we do foolish things all the time that we do not, that doesn't make any sense at all. We listen to the world's instructions on how to have a good marriage, how to raise our children, how to treat other people, how to, how to do our jobs at work, how to prioritize prioritize our lives yet the entire time we will neglect reading the word of God we have the greatest guidebook for how to live a successful happy life yet we listen to the world's quote experts which consistently teach us the opposite of what thus saith the word of God is that not what we do we will we will listen to something the world says and, and when we have a problem, we'll go to lost people and we'll get advice from other people when we have the guidebook right here of how to be a successful human being and we neglect it and we don't even look to it. <clears throat> so then in verse number 18, he said, And be not drunk with wine, where is in excess? But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, 
giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now that passage of verses right there, I read them all together because they, they, they really go together. So when we think about this, a lot of people misunderstand what Paul is saying here. A lot of people look at this and says, well, it says, be not drunk with wine, whereas it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So it's okay to drink as long as you just don't drink too much. Well, that's not what Paul's saying at all, okay? So if you interpret it that way, you're missing Paul's point. What Paul is doing is he's not condoning the use of alcohol. He's using drinking as an example of being filled with the Spirit because they are so similar. Well, how are they similar? Well, nobody gets drunk accidentally. You have to want to get drunk, right? You have to go to the store, buy the alcohol. You have to drink the alcohol. You don't, you don't get drunk because you took one sip, right? You have, you have to, and some people get drunk sooner than others, whatever, but you have to drink more than just one drink to get intoxicated, right? So you got to kind of be dedicated to it, right? <laughs> you you, you got to kind of commit yourself to getting drunk. And what happens for us as Christians? Well, if you're going to be filled with the Spirit, you got to be committed to it. You got to seek out those things that are going to fill you up. You have to do them continuously. You can't just do it once. It's not that we get filled with the Spirit once and we're filled with the Spirit forever. Now, the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. That's not what we're talking about. What Paul's talking about here is <clears throat> picture a person that is drunk. Okay? If, if we passed somebody on the street that was drunk, every single one of us would be able to describe that person. Because what does that alcohol do? It changes how they talk. It changes how they walk. It changes how they stand. It changes the things they say. It changes how they act. It, it can take a nice person that gets drunk and it can make them mean. It can make a mean person be nice, right? Because it changes them. Because it, it, has, it has taken possession of them. It has infected them. And it has changed who they literally are. Well, what Paul's saying is, is just like somebody gets drunk on alcohol, we should be drunk on the Holy Spirit of God. We should be so filled with the Spirit. You know what will happen if you and I get filled with the Holy Spirit of God? We will walk differently. We will talk differently. We will act differently. We will treat people differently. We will think about different things than we do when we're not filled with the Spirit. But here's another way being filled with the Spirit is similar to this analogy of being drunk. Somebody gets drunk, they don't stay drunk forever. Eventually that alcohol di dissipates in their system and they go back to normal. The same thing for us, right? If the, if the person that's the alcoholic stops drinking, they go back to being normal and they're no, no longer drunk. If we stop seeking the things of God, if we stop praying, if we stop seeking God, if we stop studying His Word, if we stop uh, uh, drawing closer to Him, that Holy Spirit that's filled us will dissipate away. And then we go back to being that carnal Christian that needs to be woken up out of sleep again. So that's why Paul is using this. And then he goes on to tell us that Listen, not only do you need to be filled with the Spirit, we, we all know what a drunk person looks like and how they act, 
But what does somebody that's filled with the Spirit look like? Well, Paul tells us. So in verse 19 through verse number 21, he tells us that if you're filled with the Spirit, this is the evidence of it. Here's what, here's what will happen if we get filled with the Spirit. We will speak to yourselves, speaking to yourselves, and that word speaking to yourselves has like a dual meaning. It means self-talk, what we say to ourselves, but it also means what we say to each other. Okay, So he said, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's how we look and act when we're filled with the Spirit of God. You, you can't be angry and have hatred in your heart and be filled with the Spirit of God at the same time. It's not possible, okay? It, it, it can't happen. Those two things can't happen together because the, being filled with the Spirit of God makes us forgive. It doesn't make us hold grudges. So if, if we can find ourselves to where we're not happy, we're angry, we're frustrated, we're irritated, we're not, we're not thankful unto God. And notice he says giving thanks always for all things. He didn't say giving thanks for the good things. He said give thanks for, for all things. So should I be thankful that my car broke down? We Be thankful to God that you had a car to break down, <laughs> Right? Be, be thankful to God that you've got a second car that you can drive till you get that one fixed. The, the, we can always find that silver lining. There's always a blessing in there somewhere. But if we're filled with the Spirit, we won't get bogged down with these things of life. They won't drag us down because we'll be happy. We'll be, we'll be singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in our heart, giving thanks to God, submitting ourselves to one another. Did you know that you can't have an alt against another person in the church? You can't be backstabbing somebody in the church and be filled with the Spirit of God? That's proof you're not filled with the Spirit of God. That's proof your heart's not right with God. Because if your heart was right with God, you would do what the Bible says and go to that person that hurt you or offended you and have a conversation with them instead of going and telling everybody else what they did to you. Right? That, that's how we know that our heart's not right with God. But he said right here, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So if we are submitting ourselves one to another, I don't want my will. I want what's best for uh, Aaron. I don't want Aaron to bend to what I want. I'm looking out for his welfare. That, that's what, see, when we get filled with the Spirit of God, we care more about others than we do ourselves. When we get filled with the Spirit of God, we forgive others and we don't hold grudges. When we get filled with the Spirit of God, we're happy and we're singing and we're seeking the things of God. So, just like intoxication is temporary, so is being filled with the Spirit. If the alcohol is not continuously consumed, the effects wear off. If spiritual things are not continuously consumed, the filling, the filling of the Spirit wears off. And here's the thing, we must be intentional and continual to be spiritual. If we want to be spiritual, we can't think about God on Sunday morning and not think about Him again until next Sunday. That's not how we get filled with the Spirit. We have to be intentional. We have to say every day, 
I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. Every day I'm going to read his word. Every day I'm going to think about God. Every day I'm going to seek his will. Every day. So we have to be intentional. And we have to be continual to be spiritual. If you want to be drunk seven, for seven days, you've got to drink for seven days. You can't drink on Monday and stay drunk till Friday. You can't come to church on Sunday and get filled with the Spirit and feel good and not think about God again the rest of the week because that wears off, just like the alcohol dissipates out of a drunk person's body. All right, so we will stop there and pick up in verse 22 next week.